Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another Words and Nerds episode where we bring you literary goodness straight to your ears wherever you are. Today I welcome two Fremantle Press authors, Catherine Lafroy, who writes novels, screenplays, articles, but today we're going to talk about her new book, Alex and the Alpacas Ride Again. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Hi, great to be here. Lovely to have you. And we also say hello to Paula Hayes. Paula enjoys writing magical realism for young people. And her first novel, Lily in the Mirror, was a CBCA notable in 2017. Very impressive. And tonight we're going to talk about the vexatious haunting of Lily Griffin. Welcome, Paula. Thank you very much, Jenny. It's wonderful to be here. Isn't vexatious one of the best words? ever it is it is it's stressed um yeah it's it's just a really cool word actually it's not used enough. <laughs> it's not used enough is it I think we should bring no. it back use it at least once a day and we'll see what happens I will admit I have title envy a little bit because it's a pretty great title follow so oh, um, thank you very consider much me, yeah, consider but- me title envied <laughs> Well, at the beginning, well, before Lily- I recorded, I was like, could you both give me some longer titles to remember <laughs> next time? Because we've got Alex and the Alpacas Ride Again and The Vexatious Haunting of Lily Griffin. And hopefully by the end, it won't become something that, like vexatious alpacas who ride That's hauntingly. It. Hopefully it won't end up like that. <laughs> But that also sounds like a great book. It does. Maybe that's a sequel to one of your books. Yeah. I don't know. We'll work together. Perfect. <laughs> Let's go Lily and Alex. <laughs> Collaboration. Yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Let's start with you, Catherine. Elevator pitch for Alex and the Alpacas Ride Again. A lovely alliteration, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, I did not come up with the title. That is all the publisher. So Alex and the Alpacas Ride Again is the sequel to Alex and the Alpacas Save the World. Uh, And we left Alex at the end of that book thinking that she had saved the world by binding the ancient spirit of destruction, Kiala, into a tree. So Alex and the Alpacas Ride Again picks up a few months later where Alex has gone back home to Melbourne. uh, And she very quickly learns that Kiala, uh, the binding spell did not actually work and Kiala is in fact awake again. So she has to ship the alpacas and her new friend Louis from Tasmania over to Melbourne and zany hijinks ensue and they have to solve puzzles and, and riddles and battle evil spirits and go up against animals that should probably not be alive and <laughs> essentially save the world again, except we thought the title Alex in that Alex and the alpacas save the world again, again, probably wasn't so good. So hence the ride again. They ride again. Well, it sounds yep. really exciting and I love alpacas. Everyone loves an alpaca at the moment. So that's Everyone really Everyone cool. loves an alpaca. I mean, what's not to love really? What is that? Exactly. What is not to love? <laughs> now, Paula, coming back to you, the vexatious haunting of Lily Griffin, hit us with an elevator pitch. 
Well, the vexatious haunting is the big omnibus of the Lily Adventures. Um, Lily in the Mirror was a starting point, and then there was a bit of a hiatus. So um, I wrote two and three, and we put it all together. So Lily, the vexatious haunting of Lily is the rise and rise of one Lily Griffin. Um, she's 11. She's a bit of a word nerd. Um, she even says that. I'm not just giving <laughs> you and me a plug. Um, and... She thinks she's a bit special um, and intuitive and, and um, she's in this family that's so mundane and boring and she's being bullied by her brother who's, you know, makes Voldemort look like a an elf. Um, so she really, um, she feels a bit isolated and alone and she turns to books and her world is books, um, particularly Harry Potter. So she goes off to her grandfather's house and she discovers um, mystery and, and magic. Um, she discovers her 70-plus um, auntie trapped in a, a mirror somewhere in the back room. As you do. She, as you do, and she she pulls her out and then the adventures keep on coming. Um, so it's a kind of a mix of um, family life and the supernatural. So, yeah, it's a... It's a little bit of something for everybody. Mm, I love that. Now, both of you have really interesting female characters in your book. Uh, Catherine, can you tell me about Alex? She's special. She's the saviour of the world. Tell me how she started, how she developed, and what your vision of her was from the very beginning. Sure. Well, she's so I name a lot of my characters after people I know. Um, so Alex is actually named after my niece Ooh. called Alex because I'm I'm like a, a the worst aunt in the world in that I will never remember your birthday or babysit you or go to one of your sports <laughs> games. But I will name characters after you. In That's court. the best kind of aunt. It's a legacy. Right. Legacy. So, but this Alex is, is not based on my niece Alex because um, that, that could cause problems. But I, I wanted to I wanted to create a character who was sort of gutsy and headstrong, but also very vulnerable and made a lot of mistakes, basically. Um, so Alex is, you know, she thinks she's she thinks she's pretty great, particularly in this second book where, you know, in the first book she's saved the world and she's just like, I got this, I saved the world. This is like, I'm I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> um, and then she she soon learns that um, she's not as awesome as she thinks she is and she still has a lot to learn about herself and the people around her. So, you know, she learns um, the importance of teamwork and things like that. So, yeah, sort of strong, feisty characters but also with a lot of realistic and vulnerable qualities is, is, are the sorts of characters I'm drawn to. Mm, I love those kind of characters and I really love tapping into the vulnerability because often I think in the past we had, you know, the flawless superheroes yeah, who could do totally. anything and, you know, we'd all love to be like that, of course, but we're human so we're not. But it's really nice to to lean into that vulnerability, I think, because I've actually yeah. come to realise as an adult, took me a long time, the vulnerability is actually a strength, you know, admitting that you need help, admitting yeah. that you are human is actually quite a strength um, rather than yeah. a weakness. 100%. And, that you know, this notion of, like, the strong the strong woman, the you know, the woman in particularly in film and TV who can do absolutely anything and as soon as she shows a flaw, then people are like, oh, I'm not interested in her anymore. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree that I like characters that are not 
perfect and superhuman, mm. which is not to say I don't like superhero movies because I do. <laughs> no, but it's really interesting, that vulnerability. And I think, um, I don't know, I think when I was, you know, starting a career, I thought that I had to sort of take on qualities that weren't mine, you know, that almost had to be masculine qualities of toughness and yeah. steel and you couldn't cry and you couldn't show emotion. And as 100%. I'm getting older and older, I think, well, actually, I think being compassionate and empathetic, that actually makes a good leader as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had an experience today actually where um, I was talking to an, an older gentleman and I was he was um, going through some rehab for his back and I was sort of saying I'd been through a similar thing and I was telling him about all the times I'd cried during it and he was just like, thank you for giving me permission to feel vulnerable. <laughs> it's like no one needs to give you permission to feel that but that's great that I've, I've been able to do that for mm. you. So, yeah, I think it's such an important mm. message to tell everyone. I do. I almost think there is permission. You know that whole soldier on culture we have, you know, oh, right, yeah. from, the, right mm-hmm. from the ads we get, you know, you, you whatever's wrong with you, just keep soldiering on. I actually think that's quite a dangerous um, culture to build, you know, because sometimes you just need even yeah. that mental health day, you know, just go, nope, I yeah, can't yeah. do today. I need to just go in and look after myself. I know we've gone on a tangent, but it's an important tangent. No, it is an important <laughs> tangent. I think that we're changing that that's we becoming are. much more acceptable and, yep. yeah. Absolutely. Still conversations need to be had about it, I think, because I don't think yeah. everyone's on board, but slow, you know, change is always slow. But if anything good, very little came out of COVID. It was the fact that you don't have to be out every single minute of your life. It's okay to be at home. Um, The world doesn't fall apart if you choose not to do X, Y, and Z one day, you know, and I'm trying to learn that. I always experience lots of FOMO, but sometimes you (laughs) just have to look up. (laughs) Looking after yourself is more important. So no, it's really interesting. Yeah. And just the importance of mental health, I think as well, that's, that's, you know something else that came out of absolutely that. it was the slowing down during covid that i mm-hmm. realized oh i could probably put this into my actual life because it's not that yeah. bad <laughs> you're <laughs> like you're... oh it's actually quite good oh i didn't know you could slow down okay yeah. oh this, this feels I took okay. up crocheting <laughs> yeah. feels okay. i would have never have done that <laughs> amazing amazing i love that all our new skills <laughs> i didn't do the sourdough bread or anything i don't even know if i if I gained more skills, maybe just the the mindset. Oh, I don't have to be running around from this to this to this every minute, which is really important. I think yeah. that is a skill, Danny. That I is think a so. very and it's a hard skill to learn. So yeah. oh, well done you for well, actually I'm still mastering it. I wouldn't well, say I'm a master of it yet, Catherine. It's a process. It's a pro- slow <laughs> process. Yeah. Now, Paula, what about you, Lily? Hilarious, funny. Um, deeply daggy. I like that. Um, I know. I, like I that think description. there might be a lot of me in well, Lily. <laughs> so I think we're all a bit deeply daggy. So <laughs> tell yeah. us about Lily. Well, look, Lily just came to me. She tapped me on the shoulder. And she came out like a an M M&M and M spew of deliciousness. Ooh. Once I got into her character, I, I could that. not stop writing. Now you're talking so, about M M&M and M the lollies, right? Not M M&M and M the wrapper. Oh no, the lollies. <laughs> I was a bit confused for a minute. <laughs> I've never spewed a rapper. <laughs> um, yes. And, I, yeah, I just, I think at that time I was reading a lot to my children. Um, they were about 9, 11, and I was trying to keep, read, you know, reading aloud going mm. at gunpoint. <laughs> so um, we read a lot of books that, we're in the vein of Harry Potter where there's always the underdog, there's always an orphan, there's always something shocking happened. And I thought, what about the poor little girl's 
you know, up and down my street. You know, I see that get on the bus with their violin and their hat and their you can see they're struggling. How about just the everyday gags, mm. the little word nerds? Mm. Um, yeah, so Lily is an every nerd. <laughs> I'm sure we can all relate to that at some <laughs> level. <laughs> Sitting yeah. in a podcast called Words and Nerds talking about books. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we can relate to that on some Being level. Being to authors, yes. <laughs> yeah. Might be inside of us all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, Lily grows and she starts off very um, in her head mm-hmm. for the first book. But as book two and three develop, she makes friends and um, and she sees that, you know, she's a bit precocious and that the world can be looked at through another lens. Um, she certainly works out that her little perception of things is not the only one and she's yeah, she does a lot of personal growth, makes a lot of friends, uh, human, not human, um, <laughs> and falls in love with her dream boat, Clive the Knitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lily just, she just grows, she blooms. Mm. Yeah. And I like that going against stereotypes too. I think we need more of that. I mean, there's lots of girls who kick butt but I think there needs to be um, a few more boys out there who are showing their vulnerable side as well so I like that yeah no um Clive is her dream boat and (laughs) he um he knits and he has very interesting um hobbies he's gorgeous oh don't we all strive to meet our dream boat (laughs) oh I know he wears his homemade beanie on a rakish angle that sets off his chin and she's just like oh Clive (laughs) It's like you were crushing on and your own characters. Books, and she asks him for a book and oh. five seconds later, she's like, yes, I'm nearly finished and it'll be on the doorstep. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Now, adventure, we've got magic realism, a bit of fantasy, all of that. Catherine, tell me why you love or enjoy writing in this genre. Uh, well, Danny, when I started writing, I did not set out to write fantasy adventure because I, <laughs> I if you'd asked me, I ha- I would have been one of those people who said, oh, I don't read fantasy. I'm not a fantasy person. <laughs> and then when um, people started reading drafts of this, they were like, so you've got talking alpacas, you've got ancient curses, you've got spirits <laughs> trapped in the forest. You do I hate realize. to tell you something. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but you're writing fantasy. And I think... Probably in my head, fantasy, you know, I was thinking high fantasy with like yeah. dragons and Lord fo- you know, rings and yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that whole full on world building. And I was just like, yeah. no, that's probably not me. Um, so then I started reading a lot of sort of like kids fantasy adventure books. And I was like, oh, I love these. And these are sort of mm-hmm. the books that I read. But I guess um, I always like I love stories children's stories and adults adult books as well that have you know they have adventure they have puzzles to solve they have sort of twists and turns at every yeah. at every sort of stage so you don't really know what's going to happen until right at the end and then you're like oh of course that's of course that's it <laughs> so they're they're the sorts they're not the only sorts of stories that I gravitate towards but particularly for kids stuff that's that's mm. what I really I love reading and so i I guess that's just what came out of me. Mm, I love that. I love how you didn't start writing that genre too and you sort of realised that with all the things. Oh, uh, probably after like the fifth draft, someone was like, you do realise you're writing fantasy. And I no, think, I'm, no not. I'm not. 
This is art. Saving the world. It's not fantasy. Yeah. Come on. Fantasy. Come on. <laughs> uh, what about you, Paula? Magic realism. How did you fall into this genre? Why do you love it? Um, I just love it. It. it I th- I've written a lot of. I've got lots and lots of manuscripts, and some of them are just too out there and a little bit too surreal uh, <laughs> for mainstream publishers. <laughs> have to go back and sort of chisel some reality into it <laughs> what, but, um, a shame. what a I just, shame I've always liked those sort of spooky movies in the spooky books not scare your pants off just a yeah. little bit different like I liked um in that time when I was reading to my son the the spooks the spook came out mm. and I kind of liked um all the different aspects of the supernatural yeah that he included and yeah I just kind of thought I can do this but with a really nerdy girl Hmm. um yeah so yeah I like that now I found it interesting that both books have a grandfather that's an important figure or character I found that interesting that both books have so Catherine tell me about the symbol or the significance of the grandfather in your story oh gosh I'm not entirely sure there is particular symbol of significance but you know I'll try and make something up um no I mean I have I had rather a very you know a close relationship with my grandparents and I think the grandchild grandparent relationship is something that's really Mm. special and unique and like watching my nieces and nephews with my parents it's really it's beautiful because you know my parents who for example, would never let us have any like candy or anything growing up. Oh, and yeah. then they're like, take ya. all the chocolate. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> so it's so it's a really, it's just, it's a lovely sort of relationship to all watch. Care, I think no responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Kind of all care, no responsibility. <laughs> but of course, you know, Grandpa Jacob in my story um, doesn't want anything to do with Alex at the start of the story. So she sort of wins him over over the course of the book. Um, and that, you know, that in its, in and of itself is a, a very satisfying relationship with mm-hmm. her because she's she's sort of fostered and built that relationship with a grandfather that was essentially estranged up until she was, you know, 11 years old. Yeah, it's really interesting. What about you, Paula, about the grandfather in your story? Um, look, I think my, my grandfather um, in this story is actually my grandmother in okay. real life mm-hmm. um, because she had this really ancient old house and she wasn't a hoarder but she did keep things because she had the space so it was just vintage stuff everywhere she used Mm. to have this sleep out too that was just full of you know coral from the 50s and um, horseshoes from the 1800s and (laughs) Anzac you know soldier um, uniforms and just yeah it was just a it was a treasure trove and I just used to sit there um, and go through everybody else's crap uh, until it was time to come out um yeah so no I think the Gigi the granddad is sort of like my my model man it's not really based on anyone <laughs> met one yet <laughs> um just that sort of he makes everybody feel special Lily thinks that she's his special little um Lily Pilly but he's got love in his heart for everybody and everybody yeah he's just sort of a, a calming yeah central you know sounding board um yeah Mm, I love that I love how they both had those sort of older figures and grandparents like you said there is a really special um can be a really special connection between well I'm a nana now so it's it's just a really 
a really special thing mm, for me. It is. And you see it, it's special for the kids to know their grandparents as well, because not all kids are, are, are lucky, you know, to know their grandparents. Yeah. So I think they're really fortunate if they have um, want, grandparents. So that's I've nice. got a three-year-old that sleeps with me on a Thursday night. Oh, <laughs> not here tonight. <laughs> love that. <laughs> not this Thursday. Not this Thursday, no. A question I ask all my guests is why do you write? So, Catherine, let's head to you. Do you know, I've been thinking about this all day because I knew that you were going to ask me this. Um, <laughs> I should be more unpredictable. <laughs> no, no, no. no. It's, it's actually a really good question because I don't think a lot of writers know why they write other than, well, of course I write because what else am I going to do? Yeah. So that is part of my answer, which is, of course I write because what else am I going to do? But the other part is I just, I love stories. I have always loved stories. The world is built on stories mm. and for me to contribute even a teeny tiny little portion in terms of books and you know the screenplays I write as well it is such a a wonderful and humbling and fulfilling experience that I I, I literally can't imagine doing anything else mm. and uh, someday like uh, of course some days I'm just like oh my god this chapter's not working whatever but most days I just, I pinch myself because I'm like, I cannot believe I'm living like my dream life and I get to just create stories every day. Mm. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, it's amazing. It's like, it's a dream. <laughs> it is. It's a Absolutely. dream. <laughs> Paula, what about you? Why do you write? Um, I think it was something I was good at as a child, you know, a bit a bit of a lily not being able to catch the ball there and, and writing <laughs> was my... Um, I was a reader and, and writing was a, a form of escape and it was just something that I could do and I always was able to sort of touch people um, with it and say, well, that, that, I really got that or I really, I really liked that. Or, um, and so I had four kids and had a bit of a hiatus uh, and then when things settled down, um, it just sort of came naturally. It just, I picked it up and I haven't stopped since I... Um, uh, yeah, uh, talking to people about writing recently, and it, it's because I've been doing a little bit of editing too, and writing is is a bigger process than just getting it all down on paper. Mm. You've got to you've got to have your your beta readers, and you've got to have your editors, and you've got to have your friends. And I write a, a draft, maybe you know, thirty times. Um, I just mm. keep on going until it's perfect. So it doesn't come out as a finished product yeah. and also if it's something nobody wants to read well then you might as well keep a journal um yeah. it's got to be engaging it's got to feed the people you want to feed um yeah there's it's it's not just writing there's a whole there's a whole sort of network mm. around there's a, there's a collaboration really to it, it? yeah that people aren't I guess if you're not doing it there are people who aren't aware of it that there's a real collaborative approach yeah it's not just one person it's not the person whose name is on the book is the mm. only person who's been involved and there's also you know a beautiful relationship between the reader and the writer like we wouldn't get books published if people didn't read them so yeah, you know exactly. there's that whole sort of marketplace out there that that facilitates what we do really mm. yeah 
Mm, I love that. Well, I've had a lovely chat with you. We've taken some unexpected turns, which is my favorite thing to do. I love that <laughs> because, you know, you're talking about real things. I love talking about books and where they come from because, you know, the development of your characters, whether it was intentional or not, it really touched on something that, you know, the three of us believe strongly. And so I love that. And I love that we can portray those things to young people so that hopefully then you know they can grow up thinking it's okay to be vulnerable and I don't need permission to cry yeah. it's okay to be human you can still be a strong person or you can still have strength um within that vulnerability so you know I like the tangent that this uh, conversation took and loved your books and I'm so glad that I got to read them and um I look forward to even longer titles next time um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get right on that Alex take over the world yeah <laughs> takes over the galactic universe of something something writing alpacas and you know something else meerkats or something yeah absolutely and you know i don't know how you're going to top vexatious paula but you know the challenge is on right i think the next challenge is a one word title that's that's my artist like yep you got to keep shaking it up one word i don't know i kind of like the 15 word titles i'm I'm into it now (laughs) (laughs) i kind of forget what i've called it you know i just say lily well, if you've forgotten, you can imagine how hard it was for me to remember today. It's like, right, the vexatious haunting of Lily Griffin. Yes. The alpacas and something say something. I don't know. <laughs> Do something. Well, the alliteration helps. So it helps you remember that. But thank you so much for your time. And um, it's always thank a privilege you. to speak to people who are so passionate about what they do. And I look forward to whatever it is you do next. Thank you very thank much. You. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you.